Welcome to Camp Constitution Radio with your host, Hal Shirtliff. This show is heard on WBCQ The Planet every Monday evening and Thursday evening, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Broadcast out of the beautiful town of Monticello, Maine in Arista County, where I'll be heading with my good friend, Reverend Stevie Kraft. We're going to have a few events up there uh, this week. Uh, let's well, we'll be speaking at some churches, but on Friday, and that would be the 10th, I believe, the 10th of July, um, we're going to have a presentation at uh, Meadow and Madawaska uh, at noontime, and the topic is critical race theory. Reverend Kraft, uh, it's something that it's really uh, that needs to be exposed. He happens to be a, a, a black minister, a patriot, and this whole critical race, he calls it uh, communist racist trash, I think is what he refers to it. And it is some of the most vile, racist, communist nonsense uh, that is being, uh, being taught to our children. And let me just get the, uh, this is, uh, so this is going to be, if you're listening up in the county, the bakery on Main Street, uh, it's going to start at noontime. You can uh, just, no, no, uh, no RSVPs necessary, but it'd be appreciated if you go to the Facebook page and say, hey, we'll be there. Uh, you can just order off the menu, and it'll be a great presentation. I think you'll really uh, be very informative. And this critical race theory, it's just everywhere. It's, it, it, it doesn't, uh, it's not just, uh, actually, I'm sorry, it's the ninth. It will be December, I mean December, July 9th, uh, Madawaska, the bakery on Main. Madawaska isn't too big of a town. And that evening at Tang's Chinese Cuisine in Holton, right where Route 95 ends, uh, or the northern terminal of 95, uh, we're going to be showing the movie Roe v. Wade, and this will be another where you just order off the menu. Uh, and then the next day, there'll be a rally at uh, in Holton, uh, a Freedom Liberty Rally. Uh, and that will, uh, I think it starts off at noon, and that will be a, another great event. And uh, we'll be there speaking uh, with Rev and I. We'll, be, we'll have an information table. So we have, we have a busy week ahead of us. Um, and we had a great week. In fact, yesterday we had an incredible event. Uh, this would be our second annual July 4th barbecue. Uh, and it's not that we don't celebrate the, the, the holiday, the, this important day, uh, but over the years we would no, normally man information tables. And last year you really couldn't do it with the COVID. Uh, and last year we had our event in Lexington at our Lane House, our Lane Learning Center. And it was a great time. And this time it was at my home in beautiful Alton, New Hampshire, with our, you know, with our wooded two and a half acres. And we had about close to 50 people. And we had some great speakers, Barbara from Harlem, the editor of the Weir's Times, Brendan Smith. Um, And we had um, Paul Terry, who's the state rep, one of the state reps from Alton. And Lillian Tang, who was a... uh, grew up in a Chinese communism, and she uh, was able to uh, overcome the brainwashing, and she now is living in the, not living here in actually New Hampshire, so she spoke. It's the first time I met her, and she travels around the country, speaks to groups and schools about the evils of communism, 
and how to oppose it. And unfortunately, what she saw in her country, her former country, is what's happening today in our this, in this critical race theory. It is nothing but Marxism. And you know, it's interesting too. The, uh, a friend of mine who lived in China for quite a while, he said the Chinese communists don't even do the brainwashing that we're doing. So this uh, self-criticism nonsense where white people have to feel so guilty and how can we overcome our whiteness and how can we be less white? Uh, these, uh, this is what the communists did. And they did it to our POWs. They didn't use the, the race issue. They used uh, being an American, how evil America is. So uh, it's dangerous stuff. But I'm glad to say there's been a lot of exposing. And sometimes it has to take, it has to get so bad before people realize what is going on. We've been warning people about school. I've been doing it and our organization, Camp Constitution, many other voices, a whole lot louder than ours, have been warning people about government schools and some of these left-wing private prep schools and how they're destroying the minds of children. Our late friend Sam Blumenfeld called it menticide. He coined that word menticide, the destruction of a mind. And that's what's happening, folks. And when you see cities being burned down and you see all this hate and anger, the com our enemies are just sitting back and laughing. I mean, here we are living in the greatest country in the world, and you would think that every white person is a member of the Ku Klux Klan, and all they do when they're not destroying the environment is exploiting black people or people of color. That's another lefty term. We all have color. You know, white, black, red. And what's interesting, too, is that at our celebration, one of the, one of the attendees, um, she runs the um, Tri-County Republicans, Priscilla Terry. She's the wife of uh, Paul. Uh, she left and she, she took some pictures and she said it was the best July 4th celebration she ever attended. And we had people, we had Hispanic, black, white, Asian and it, and they all came here because they loved this country, and they, we had a great time. So I'll be posting some of the videos up there. And of course, what we were celebrating wasn't a day, July Fourth. We were celebrating what happened. And actually, the, <clears throat> the Continental Congress uh, voted for independence July second, and then they spent a couple of days revising Thomas Jefferson's uh, Declaration of Independence. And it was agreed upon on July 4th. And it actually, it wasn't signed. Uh, only John Hancock, he was the only delegate that signed it. Uh, it was signed later on. In fact, I wrote an article for the Weir's Times and for a paper in Maine. I guess that makes me a, I joke about being a syndicated columnist now. So I want to share it with you. And this is something that I love doing, if I can just find my... Here we go. Okay. So it's called the Declaration of Independence and the Men Who Signed It. Uh, Mrs. Wolf, my eighth grade, eighth grade history teacher in the Boston Public School, ensured that her students not only knew the reasons why the 13 colonies united against Great Britain and declared their independence from Great Britain, but had her students memorize a good portion of the Declaration of Independence. And I can still rattle some of it off. They also had to know about the men who signed what could have been their death warrant if they were unsuccessful in the sacrifices they made. As a means of honoring the memory of those brave men and my beloved history teacher, I felt that I had an obligation to share this information. Over the years, I would help man information tables on, on the Boston Common with a sign that reads, Honoring the Signers of the Declaration of Independence. 
How many can you name? This year, my table will be in Alton, New Hampshire. We did this Saturday, uh, which uh, because Sunday we had we had church. We had Reverend Kraft as a guest uh, preacher in uh, a church, the first Christian church in Wolfboro. Many of the people who stopped by our table were in town to attend the Boston Pops annual concert, which would end with an incredible fireworks display. Few of, few of them could rattle off more than a two or three signers, but they left the table with a copy of the declaration with all the names of the signers. July 2nd, 1776 is the day that the Second Continental Congress voted for independence, and for two days, delegates debated and edited the declaration written over a three-week period by Thomas Jefferson. John Hancock, as president of the Congress, was the only delegate to sign the declaration on July 4th. Delegate John Adams of Massachusetts, the man who probably did more to get independence declared, said this prior to the vote. And this is a great quote. This is, uh, you just picture John Adams getting up there and he said, sink or swim, live or die, survive or perish. I give my hand and my heart for this vote. You and I indeed may rue it. We may not live to the time when this declaration shall be made good. We may die, die colonists, die slaves die it may be ignominiously and on the scaffold be it so be it so if it be the pleasure of heaven that my country shall require the poor offering of my life the victim shall be ready but while i do live let me have a country or at least the hope of a country and that of a free country sir before god i believe the hour has come my judgment approves the measure and my whole heart is in it all that i have and all that i am and all that i hope in this life I am now ready here to stake upon it and leave, and I leave off as I began. That live or die, survive or perish, I am for the declaration. It is my living sentiment, and by the blessings of God, it should be my dying sentiment. Independence now and independence forever. How many people speak like that? So one of the uh, so I'm going to read the rest. Of, I'm t- talking about a book called The Lives of the Signers. One of the best books about the signers of the Declaration of Independence is Biographical Sketches of the Signers of the Declaration of Independence by B.J. Losing, published in 1848, and reprinted by Wall Builders. And you can actually uh, go to wallbuilders.org or .com and get a, co- a brand new copy for about 12 bucks. You can also go to Amazon. I'm not a big fan of promoting Amazon, but I just I, I ran out of my own copies and I had to just buy one for a, for a neighbor. In this excellent book, we get the true historical background of the signing of the document and a brief biographical sketch of the men who signed it. One of the most compelling facts is that not one of the signers betrayed the new nation. Not one flip-flopped or became politically correct. When they pledged their lives in sacred honor, they meant it. Of the 56 men who signed the declaration, several of them and their family members died from their wounds or hardships. Five were captured in prison under harsh conditions. It was harsh for all everybody, by the way. So they may not have had special harsh conditions for them. But um, and when you prisoners of war, especially 250 years ago, weren't normally treated very well. Twelve had their homes burned to the ground, and 17 were impoverished. And no, not one of them made these sacrifices to promote the institute of slavery. Indeed, the Declaration of Independence helped pave the way for the ultimate abolition of slavery in the United States. The New York delegates, Francis Lewis, William Floyd, Philip Livingston, and Lewis Morris, uh, bared a good portion of the British brunt, losing their wealth and their property destroyed. Francis Lewis's wife was imprisoned and died shortly after her release due to the brutal treatment she received. Philip Livingston had his business and home confiscated, and he died in 1778, broken, separated from his family. 
Today, in some circles, the term sacred honor is considered a silly anachronism of a less enlightened era and regard the signers as dead white European males whose values must be demeaned. However, we at Camp Constitution, staying true to our motto, honoring the past, teaching the present, preparing the future, along with what I believe to be most Americans, will never forget the true meaning of Independence Day. Happy birthday, United States, the greatest nation in the history of the world. May you have many more birthdays, and may our citizens never forget the brave men and women that have helped keep our nation free. And then I offer a free pocket constitution, <clears throat> and I've got a lot of response, so it's very, uh, very encouraging. Um, anyway, uh, so contrary to uh, what many people have been taught these last couple of generations, we live in a great country. We got our problems, like every nation. And one of these, oh, we had slavery. Yes, we had slavery, and so didn't many, many other nations. In fact, just look at every nation. And ours is a relatively new one. And so we didn't invent it, and we did a lot to abolish it. And that declaration was the model. Yeah, we didn't live. Yeah, there were slave owners that signed that constitution, and uh, and some of these slave owners were very. You looked at that and said, you know something, something's wrong here. They grew up when they were born, as they came to as they came to uh, maturity. Slavery was an accepted practice. Today, abortion is accepted practice. Today, the promotion of sodomy is an accepted. Uh, Something we just accept. We don't, oh, yeah, it's a good thing. It's okay to kill a baby. So have we really progressed that much? Yes, we got rid of the, we got rid of the institute of chattel slavery. But most of us will go to a Walmart and buy a product made in China. And most of us don't even give a second thought. Oh, do you know they use slave labor in China? Oh, well, what can we do about it? If we, we, we can buy stuff from China and they'll become more capitalist and they'll become less communist and it will be a better thing. Well, they said that 40 years ago and it didn't work. So all of you people who say, oh, slavery was so awful, even the thought of it, any country that ever practiced it isn't worthy of our respect. But it's okay to, to buy products from a country that has enslaved its citizens and uses slave labor to, to buy. You're okay with that. You're okay with Nike and Converse and all these other companies that make stuff in communist China. You're okay with that. Oh, you don't like a sweatshop in Central America. Oh, you protest that, but you don't protest. Not only don't you protest it, you support it. I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about the vast majority of listeners say I'm talking about the left, the, the, the leftist elites and the people they brainwash into accepting this stuff. Here the NBA uh, bows down to communist China, and if you dare criticize it, they, they'll have you fired. Oh, you better apologize. You have to go on an apology tour for speaking the truth. Guys like LeBron James, you know, will quick, all, very quick to criticize the United States. Oh, he hates America. He's a multimillionaire because mostly white people who like the game of basketball and like to pay good money for the best talent to play it, some place that you're not going to see in too many other countries, but he hates it. He hates us. He hates us. I, it must be awful to be a teammate who happens to be non-black uh, or play against him, you know, knowing that how much he hates and resents white people. It's just amazing. Uh, and these same people, uh, the 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 Reds, uh, the Major League Baseball, they pulled the All-Star game out of Atlanta. 
because the state passed a law to promote election integrity. They actually made it easier to vote. They just want to make sure the votes were the, that they were legal votes. In other words, are you qualified to vote? And for that, oh, we're pulling out. We don't have anything to do. And so what did they do? They harmed more black people because Atlanta, there's been a lot of, a lot of people uh, want to make money from that all-star game in Atlanta. They pull it out to Lily White, Colorado. Isn't that interesting? The phony hypocrites. And then all, all June, they put the homosexual rainbow flag everywhere on the field. Uh, I mean, why do they have to promote sodomy? Why is what's so important that they have to promote it? They call it Pride Month. Uh, so, somehow the word pride is now uh, synonymous with sodomy. What, what God calls an abomination, we call it pride. We call it gay. And we're, we've progressed. And so we're, we're better for it. And the practice of abortion New Hampshire, they had a budget, and in the budget was the first time this state, since this this horrible decision was passed, Roe v. Wade, uh, that abortion has now been regulated in New Hampshire. And you think New Hampshire being a relatively conservative state, that it it would have, no, this is the first time, and uh, that I think no abortions before 24 weeks. And uh, this U.S. senator has a, uh, oh, she's, horrified we won't be able to kill babies as anytime we should this is no she's not she didn't say that but obviously that's what she meant she's horrified well i'm glad she's horrified she should be she should be horrified that abortion has gone on it so long but you see these people have no trouble with abortion they have no trouble with slavery in communist china but they have trouble with our history a history a very proud history where men and women sacrifice their lives to end slavery. And interesting, I mentioned this on a show about a month and a half ago, that the state of Georgia actually abolished slavery in 1733. Now, this is when it was a colony. It wasn't a state. And King George III reinstated it when, uh, at some point in the 1750s. So, um, and you know, there were a lot of anti-slave organizations in the southern states with large slave populations. So, uh, yeah, there was a lot of, and not everybody who called himself a Confederate was an evil, vile racist that all they wanted to do was to exploit black people. That, that wasn't the case. So, uh, and I think it's important. It's, it's important for, if you're a listener of this show and you're not actively involved in exposing this, my question to you is why not? You know, just listening to shortwave radio, that's great. It's a great form of information. But what we say here on this show and other shows and many other formats, you need to help get the word out. And I'm sure some of you are. I know that uh, a number of you are doing that already. But that's, it's so important, you know, because if you don't do it, who will? And, you know, it's not that difficult. Wherever you may live, there are people, there are like-minded people. And you, you may not know them, but reach out to them. Maybe it's that person down the street that still has that Trump sign up there. And maybe you didn't like Trump, but you, you know, you're a constitutionalist to say, yeah, but Trump, that person is uh, somebody you should reach out to. Do you have a local newspaper in town? Do you write letters to the editor? And, you know, with spell check today, 
you know, and you can even, uh, you know, grammar check. You don't have to be an English major to craft a good letter. What about that, that editor? Do you know that editor of that paper? If you live in a small town or a county, you should go and just stop by that newspaper office and meet them. Maybe meet that reporter. And when you host an event, especially if it's like an event where one of our speakers are, you may want to get that reporter out there and report on it. You know, these reporters are looking to do stories in, in small towns. And I'll just give you an example here. I lived in Boston most of my life. I was an avid letter writer, the uh, daily papers. Now the papers aren't as impactful as they were. They also do run the letters online too, you know, so the people who go to the websites can see the letters. Uh, but I was, uh, I got feedback from people and the weekly newspapers especially, because with a weekly newspaper, that paper sits around for a whole week. And you know, someone picks it up, uh, the paper may come out on a Thursday, and uh, people are picking it up all week long, and it's sort of where, where a daily paper kind of gets tossed out within the same day. The weekly papers sit around for a while, and uh, more, you know, and these, uh, and I think the one newspaper type that's doing well are the weekly free newspapers, where you know you you put them around in uh, stores and restaurants and other places, and. <clears throat> So we did have a couple in the in, in my area, in the West Roxbury area, and I was a frequent letter writer there. And when I write a letter, I always, most not always, but sometimes what I would use the term altar call. Now, of course, an altar call is in a church. After the sermon, there's uh, an invitation to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. And I'm kind of not always a big fan of an altar call because it's a little almost like it becomes it becomes ritualistic and a little bit of manipulative when they change the music and the tone of the voice. Uh, but I'm not against them. I just see sometimes it just gets a little too ritualistic. But what I do is I'll mention in the art in my letter for those of you who like a copy of this or a free copy of that or like more information. I put my email address in there, and I get response, and I meet some really good people, and that's how you can form an organization. You know, you've got like-minded people who read your, and even if they're not like-minded, but they're, hey, I don't know much about this topic. I tend to support it, but hey, you got something that will, that I don't know. I'll be happy to look at it. And there are some that are open-minded, not a whole lot these days, but some. But it isn't a question of getting all the people on the left onto our side. It's getting the people who are already, already on our side busy. If 70 million plus people voted for Trump, you imagine 70 million people who are organized and active and working to inform their neighbors about the voting records of their members of Congress and their, and their local politicians. They, that, that's a force that cannot be stopped. But most Americans, their goal, I'll just, I just vote. Maybe if it's not raining out, I might cast a vote. You know, in these sub-Saharan African countries, I, I have a number of African friends, and these people will walk 10 miles to cast a vote, you know, and be so grateful that they can vote. You know, here we are, oh, gee, it's a little bit of snow on the ground, it's raining out, oh, I don't feel good today, I got a little bit of a headache, I think I'll just, it doesn't matter anyway, my vote doesn't count. How many people say that? You know, we, I supported a friend of mine in town here. He lost by 18 votes. How many people could have said, yeah, oh, he'll get reelected anyway. He's a pot. Everyone likes him. 
He lost by 18 votes. You think there would have been 19 people out there that could have cast a ballot in his – actually, you don't even do that many. If you had 10 people, uh, you know, uh, well, uh, you know, who voted the other way. But if you had 19 people that came out and voted his way, uh, you know, he would have been – he would have stayed in the town and he would have been voting the right way. So, um, yeah, it does matter. And you can influence a lot of people. You, can, uh, you know, one – there's a saying that <clears> – <throat> Every, every person, an average of, uh, the average person may be able to influence 10 people directly and then many others indirectly. For example, you, you hand somebody uh, an article or a, a DVD or, or a link to a website and that person reads it, that person shares it with others. So, uh, and we used to, I used to give these presentations where we, when I was with the John Birch Society where I would talk about a congressional district. Now, I think the average, I think the congressional districts now have 650,000 people, something like that. It might be a little more. So out of that 650,000, less than half are registered to vote. So, so now you're down to, you know, 300,000 or so, right? Just registered to vote. And out of that, maybe 60% actually vote. So now you're down to about 150,000, give or take. And out of that figure, uh, half of those make a difference. And sometimes uh, in, in a congressional election, you know, it might be 5%, 10%, 2% difference. And you don't, so you don't have to influence every single person. You don't have to influence even half that. If you influence maybe 10,000, maybe 5,000, it can make a difference. And if you influence them to the expect where they will go out and vote, they will vote for the right candidate. And the right candidate would be the one that's going to mess with you the least. He's going to, uh, he or she will not pass laws or support laws that will raise your taxes and take your guns away and brainwash your children, et cetera, et cetera, and support things like um, uh, the Green New Deal, even at the local level. So. All these votes, all these elections are extremely important. And we realized how important local elections are because of this, during this pandemic, uh, pandemic mandates, these little petty dictators in these little towns that were passing ordinances, in many cases in violation of the governor. The governor of the state may have said, no, we're not going to pass, pass a mask mandate, but they'll have one in a little town or uh, in your city and they'll send out their little dictators, the little bureaucrats to come out and shut your electricity off if you're a business. They did this all over the country. It was a disgusting display of tyranny. And a lot of people who have very little influence all of a sudden became little mask Nazis, you know. So that's why it's important to uh, get out there, get out there and be an active patriot. And there's so many organizations out there and, you know, if you get a hold of me, I could recommend some. I mean, uh, I could recommend, I can actually put you in touch with local people, whether it be Camp Constitution, whether it be a local patriot group, whether uh, even, even your local uh, Republican Party committee. And again, the problem with Republican Party committees is that their main job is to get people elected. It's not necessarily to get people informed. And I was at a gathering um, last last week and I it was in Massachusetts and there were some good people at this event don't get me wrong but I heard a few people say that the party has to evolve 
know, you know, we have to we have to cater to the you know the less informed people, and therefore we have to support measures that aren't necessarily the right things, but we need to do this so we can get elected. Well, to me, if you're going to change your core values to get elected, what's the point? The, the idea is to promote core values and make them popular with the voters, and then the voters will get you, will vote for you because of the core values, because of the things that you support. So a Republican is going to support Pride Month and spend millions of dollars promoting this in public schools. Sorry, you don't get my vote. And people should say, look, but people, you know the old adage of what two consenting adults do in their bedroom is none of our business. That's right. But now it's in your face. Now it's your, your tax money is supporting it, and they're passing laws and they've changed the culture. And you know what's interesting is that it's not that many people actually are, are practicing are homosexuals. But you would think that every other person is the way they the way they promote it. They promote it more than they promote Christmas. Easter, Independence Day, and all the other holidays. It's, it's just a, a, a obscene. So anyway, running out of time, we want to thank you for listening to Camp Constitution Radio with your host, Hal Shirtliff, on WBCQ The Planet. And until next week, may God richly bless you. And if you live up in Arista County, please uh, get a chance to visit us. Um, and if you're not able to come to those meetings I mentioned and you want to Get a chance to say hello. We get a little time in between visits. Um, just contact us on our Facebook page or our website, campconstitution.net, and we'd love to get a chance to meet you. All right, God bless.